person who was just getting into the field of sales and he was trying to get opportunities to talk to big companies and trying to get his sale uh, accomplished for his company. And one day a miracle happened that he was able to get a conversation with a very large company and with one of the executives in the company. And so he came all dressed very nicely, very nervous, but also ready for this interview that he was going to, not interview, but the sales opportunity that he was going to have. And as he sat down and he was explaining everything that, was, uh, that his company could offer, um, and the lady across from him was listening and taking it all in, and her assistant came and whispered something in her ear, and she told the young man, just hold on for a few minutes, and she stepped out of the room. This young man is all alone now in this office of this executive. He's just looking around. And you notice on her desk the, the letterhead of a competing company. And so he just peeked over there, and he saw some numbers, and there was a can of Coke that was right on, right on top of the bottom line total. And so he was very inquisitive and very tempted to see because he wanted to be able to come under that number so that he could win the offer. And so he just went behind the desk and he, what would you have done? <laughs> he went behind the desk, he picked up the Coke can and all of these little marbles just spilled all out <laughs> and made such a clamor throughout the whole office. It was a fake bottom on the can and he realized what had happened. The temptation got the best of him. Has that happened to you before? Right? I can just take a little sneak peek. I can just check this thing out. I can just look at this. No one's going to know. No one. She's out of the office. No one's going to see. Well, we all go through, at times in our life, various kinds of temptation. And some are bigger, some are smaller. Some are difficult, more difficult than others. There are some that we might be able to say, okay, I don't want this anymore in my life. And there's other things that we really need to work at and ask the Lord to help us to overcome those temptations. Neil Anderson, the famous author of the book, uh, The Bondage Breaker, said this, the essence of temptation is the invitation to live independently of God. I think that's a good definition of temptation, don't you think? The essence of temptation is the invitation to live independently of God. As we started this series or continuing this series on the experiences of Jesus, one of the first experiences that Jesus had was to be tempted by the devil, uh, as we read, as Neelam read for us in, in scripture. And there were, there were three temptations here that Jesus faced. One was that uh, he was uh, tempted to turn uh, stones into bread, and after after fasting for 40 days, you wouldn't blame him, right? Right? That was the first temptation. The second one was to jump off the temple and that the angels would come and, and save him and rescue him. And the third was to worship Satan and he would give him all of the kingdoms of this world. And so these three temptations of Jesus actually go back to a, 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 a root of three different things that we actually all face. And it's found here in 1 John chapter 2. Oh, before that, let me, uh, let me just show you a, a study from Barna. This was probably done about a decade ago, so some of these things have, have changed. But it's about uh, 
temptations. And so they asked a bunch of people, you know, what would tempt them. And it was interesting. Barna concluded at the end, more than likely people are not being honest, right, in some of these, because some of the low ones there probably are a little bit higher, more than likely. So spending too much time on media, going off uh, on someone via text or email. These are some of the new temptations with new technology, right? Or text or email or Twitter or whatever comments you make on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all of those things. Old temptations, eating too much, gluttony, spending too much money, gossiping, feeling jealous, viewing pornography. That's probably increased a lot. Lying or cheating, abusing alcohol or drugs, doing something sexually inappropriate with someone. These are the temptations um, that, that various people face. Now, again, this was about 10 years ago. This was the most recent study that I could actually find. Um, and so here, here they asked as well, why do we give in to temptation? 50% of the people said, I'm not really sure. Just, I'm tempted and then I do it. 20% to escape or get away from real life. 20% because I enjoy it. 8% to feel less pain. 7 to satisfy people's expectations. 2 to take a shortcut to success. That's probably the guy, the story that I told you. Uh, not enough willpower, and 1% is human or sinful nature, right? Interesting that only 1% said human or sinful nature, because actually a lot of these temptations are actually rooted in our human and sinful nature. Look at what John says in 1 John chapter uh, 2 and verses 15 to 17. Do not love the world or anything in the world, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. So John here identifies three different categories or three different groups. One is called the, the lust of the flesh, the other is called the lust of the eyes, and the third is called the pride of life. And these three things have plagued humanity all the way from the beginning of creation. These three things even affect us today. These are the things that we need to ask the Lord to help us to overcome. Look at in Genesis chapter uh, 3. This is when uh, the serpent, the devil came and tempted Eve, right? Look at what it says in verse 6. And you can see these three temptations here. The woman was convinced. She saw the tree that it was beautiful lust of the eyes right and its fruit looked delicious lust of the flesh oh that's so tasty it must be tasty and she wanted wisdom and she wanted the wisdom it would give her pride of life right so she took some of the fruit and ate it so right from the garden of eden we see these three temptations that are plaguing humanity and continue all throughout the word of God and all throughout humanity and even till today. And John correctly identifies it in 1 John chapter 2, and he calls it the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And Jesus was tempted in these three ways as well. And so let's just look at that very quickly about how Jesus was tempted in this. And then I want to give you a couple of um, ways in which we can overcome. The title of the message is, How Can I Handle Temptations, And my hope is that we can see some of the things that Jesus did and learn from his example of overcoming so that we also can overcome. 
So the first one was turning stones to bread. This speaks of the lust of the flesh. Jesus was hungry 40 days uh, of fasting. Any one of us would be hungry. Who would have even made 40 days? I don't know how many of us would have lasted till the end of that 40 days. But Jesus did, and he was hungry. And the devil came and tempted him and saying, you can turn this stone into into bread. That's what we read about in Matthew chapter 4. You can turn the stone into bread. If you're the son of God, satisfy your hunger, satisfy your carnal nature, satisfy the desire of your flesh, satisfy what cravings that you have. We live in a world and in a society where anything that we feel is right or good or it should be affirming for us. If I feel it, it's okay. Well, that's not really the case because there's a sinful nature within us. There's a carnal nature within us that lusts and tries to act on the desires that we have. And many times that carnal nature, those desires do not conform to the will of God, do not conform to the purposes of God, do not conform to what God says is right and correct. And unfortunately, in the world that we live today, if you feel it, it should be okay, but that's not what the word of God says. And so here, Jesus faces this temptation to be able to say, okay, I know that I can do this. I know I can change stones into bread and I can satisfy this carnal nature, this, this, this hunger that I have. But he says, no, he says, people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus turned the tables on the, on the devil and he fought against the devil with the word of God and said that we don't live just by these carnal desires and carnal feelings and these cravings of our flesh, the appetites, the desires uh, that we have uh, in our body, but we live by the word of God. And so our flesh can long for uh, these desires. Our flesh can long to be satisfied. Our flesh can long for this thing or that thing or or the other thing uh, that we might be tempted with, but we have to realize that our source of satisfaction is only The word of God is only Jesus. You can read about it uh, with the children of Israel. They were in the wilderness after they came out of the land of Egypt. And after they came out of the land of Egypt and they were in this wilderness, what did they say? Oh, we remember the melons and the onions and the leeks and all of this food that we had in Egypt. And now what do we have? Just this manna. We don't have anything good that we can eat. And their flesh was craving for something. They were living after their flesh. It was coming from within them. James says it this way, temptation comes from our own desires, from from within us, which entices us and drags us away. It drags us away from the presence of God, drags us away from the purposes of God, drags us away from the will of God, drags us away from the, the heart of God. Our heart tends to wander away because we get enticed by these temptations. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The second temptation that Jesus faced was jump off of the temple and the angels will come and save you. It was the temptation of the pride of life. Jesus, prove who you are, prove that you're the son of God, jump off the temple and everyone will see that you really are the son of God. Show your power, show your might, everyone will see how amazing you are. 
We face this temptation in our life all the time when we want to live up to a reputation that the world puts out there. When we want to live up to a standard, we want to keep up with the Joneses. We want to prove ourselves that we're smart and intelligent and beautiful and and we do this and that and the other thing just so that we can keep up with the worldly standards. There's a, a pride that's in our life that I want to earn X amount of dollars and have this type of job and so th- and this type of house so others can see that I am successful, that I am good, that I can make something of myself. There's a pride that is within us and it tempts us. It draws us away from the will and purposes of God and causes us to run after worldly pleasure, worldly ambitions, and worldly standards that might take us away from the will and purpose and standard of the Lord. And so we have to be very careful. This was, this was the temptation that, uh, that Jesus was fa- facing against uh, the devil in Matthew chapter 4 and verses 5 to 7. And Jesus responded uh, that, the, that you shouldn't tempt the Lord your God either. He fought against the devil again with the word of God. The devil got a little bit smart because he realized in the first temptation, Jesus responded with the word of God. So the second temptation, the devil came back with the word of God and Jesus responded again with the word of God. The third temptation was to worship Satan for all the kingdoms of the world, right? And this was the lust of the eyes. The word of God says here in Matthew chapter four that the devil brought Jesus to a very high mountain and he showed him the glories of the world, the, 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 the amazing things that the kingdoms of the world had to offer. And the devil said, all of this will be yours. Everything that your eye can see, the glory, the fame, the majesty, everything that your eye can see, you can have that. Only thing you need to do is bow down and worship me. And Jesus responded that the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The lust of the eyes is that through our eye gate, through our eyes and what we see, we see things and we lust after that. We want that, whether it's fame and glory and money or riches and wealth or whatever it might be. We see those things. We see what others might have, and we want that. We read a story in the Old Testament of a man named Achan. And uh, during the children of Israel's battles and coming into the promised land, he saw some riches, he saw some gold, he saw some clothes, he saw some things that he thought, hey, I want some of that. Look, I'm doing all this work, I'm fighting all these battles, why can't I have some of this? But the Lord said specifically, you're not supposed to touch any of those things or take any of those things. But his eye saw it, and his eye lusted after it, and his eye desired it, and said, let me take that. And it brought a curse on Israel. There was a time in the, in the Old Testament, Lot and Abraham were both traveling together, but their herds became way too big. And so Abraham had the idea and said, look, Lot, there's so much land that's out there. You know, our, our, our herdsmen, they're fighting against each other. Why don't we just split? I'll go one way, you go the other way. But hey, Lot, I'll give you first dibs. You pick where you'd like to go. And so the word of God says that Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw the whole land of Sodom, that it was beautiful. And that the lands were wonderful. And so because his eye had seen it and he saw what glory that was there, he said, that's Siri trying to tell me something. He said, I want that land. And so Abraham gave him first dibs and so he came in and he selected that land. And if you read in Genesis, it talks about how Lot first came into the, into the that area of Sodom. And then a little later, we read how Lot started living in Sodom. So he came inside the city, 
And then later on, you read about Lot sitting at the gate of Sodom. So more than likely, he was probably one of the elders of Sodom or rulers of Sodom or, or had some type of position of rulership within Sodom. This is how the lust of the flesh works. This is how temptation works. You, you start with a little, and then you give a little bit more, and then you give a little bit more, and then you get a little bit more. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right? You know, there's a saying, you give the devil an inch and he'll take a mile. Right? And so that's what happened to Lot. He saw the land of Sodom. His eye lusted after it. His eye saw, wow, this is beautiful. This is wonderful. And so let me go and take that. But little by little, it led him more and more and more into this ungodly city of Sodom. In 1 Timothy chapter 9, uh, Paul encourages Timothy this way, and he says this, but people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. As our eye lusts and says, oh, I want this job, or I want this house, or I want this money, or I want, I want to be able to live like how they live, and I want to be able to do what they do, and, and we lust after those things, and Paul encourages Timothy to tell the people that this love for money, this craving for all these things, as you see all of these riches and wealth and fame, it could, lean, it could, it could lead you into destruction. Money is not wrong. We need money in all these things. That's why I think the Lord asks us to be sacrificial in our giving and to be able to have a heart of sacrifice and a heart of generous giving because it helps us to, to train our heart and lead our heart in the right way. It helps us so that we can discipline our lives and so that our, our focus is not all about money and so that this lust and this temptation won't be there. So here's the question. How can we handle temptation? What did Jesus do? Jesus was tempted with the lust of the flesh. He was tempted with the lust of the eyes. He was tempted with the pride of life. But what did he do? How did he handle the temptation? Well, here's what Barna said when they took that same study. This is how people handle temptation. 18%, this is the top answer, 18% said they prayed. That's fantastic, right? At least for it to be the number one thing, right? 12% said they used reason and reminders. 10% said, just said no. Another 10% said, stayed away from it. 8% said focused on something else. 7% said considered the consequences. I guess that's a good thing. 5% said uh, talk myself out of it. Another 5% said exercise, right? One did something else. 4% said called someone. That's a good thing, call someone. Another 4% said took preventative measures. 3% said recalled or read scripture. That's a good thing, right? Used willpower depended on God, slept on it, thought optimistic thoughts. And one person said, one percent said they went to bed. Get out of it. Right? So what did Jesus do to overcome these temptations? What did Jesus do to overcome the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life? I want to tell you three things that I think can help us as well. Number one is use the word of God. Okay? Jesus used the word of God. He replied with the word of God. It's so important for us to read the word of God, study the word of God, memorize the word of God. I'm blessed that uh, more than 130 of you are, are jo have joined us in our Bible reading plan or, and are reading the word of God together as we go through uh, the gospels. It's so encouraging uh, to be able to see that. And I want to encourage you to continue to read the word of God and to study, meditate, memorize the word of God. Jesus replied with the word of God and that shut down the enemy. 
right? In John chapter 6, verse 35, it's Jesus' reply. He said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. See, when we come to Jesus, he is the bread of life. When we come to him, he is the word of God. He will satisfy us. He will help us. When temptation draws us, when the world allures us to come and do the things that it wants them to do, we come to Jesus, who is the word of God, and he will satisfy us. The psalmist says it this way, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. If we hide God's word in our heart, if we use the word of God, then the Lord will help us to be able to overcome. Friends, I want to encourage you today, read the word of God, study the word of God, meditate on the word of God, memorize the word of God, use God's word so that you can overcome temptation. That was one of the things that, what was it, 4% said, right? When the temptation comes, I'm going to read scripture. It's a good way. When you're tempted with something, read scripture. Particularly when you're tempted with something and you have to make a decision, the word of God can be our guidance. The word of God can be our guide. It can be that light unto our feet and a lamp to our path to show us the way in which we should go. The second thing I think that we could do is practice spiritual disciplines, what was Jesus doing when he faced these temptations? Huh? He was fasting. That's a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual exercise to fast. One of the ones that we like to keep at the bottom of our list and not do a lot, right? But now that Christmas is over and all the feasting is done, right, with all the New Year's resolutions, probably many of you are like, I need to exercise, I need to lose some weight, I need to do this and that. There's a lot of New Year's resolutions with that. Well, fasting is actually a spiritual discipline, and I don't have time to get into all of the benefits and the, 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 the need for fasting and the purpose of fasting, but Jesus instru instructed his disciples to fast. And fasting helps us to pray and seek the Lord and to deny ourselves and to put our, our fleshly nature, our carnal nature to death and, and bring it into subjection to our spirit. And so I want to encourage you, one of the ways in which Jesus overcame the temptations of the devil was that he practiced spiritual disciplines. Throughout his ministry, you see there are times Jesus gets up early in the morning to do what? Go out and pray. He had these rhythms of spiritual discipline in his life. I'm thankful there's almost 120 of you as well that are in our prayer challenge and are journeying with us to pray every single day. Create these rhythms, these spiritual disciplines uh, in our life. Matthew 4 and verse 2, for 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and he became very hungry. He was exercising spiritual disciplines right at the beginning of his ministry. So let me ask you this question, or let me challenge you with this question. In 2023, what is the spiritual discipline that you want to start or that you want to implement, right? Let's all jump into the fasting train. Can we do that, right? Yeah. Maybe not, okay? That's a little bit of a tough one, okay? But you can start small and, and continue to grow in that. But there's fasting. There's silence and solitude, can I encourage you to, to take a Sabbath rest? So one day in the week just to, to rest and to spend time in the presence of God and, and do things that you would not normally do during your work week. That Sabbath rest is a spiritual discipline. We talked about that earlier. A spiritual discipline that we need to have and exercise within our, within our pattern. 
gathering together for corporate worship as we come together, for example, here on Sunday mornings. To gather together to worship the Lord is a spiritual discipline that helps us. We create a rhythm of Sunday morning worship. We create a rhythm that helps us to uh, have that discipline in our life, whether it's it could be gathering together with your life group, whether it's weekly or biweekly, that that opportunity to gather together in a life group and fellowship with other believers, to share with other believers, pray with other believers, study the word of God with other believers. It's a spiritual rhythm that helps you in your spiritual life so that as you build these rhythms into your life, when temptation comes, you are fortified to be able to fight against that. I think Jesus, along with the word of God, because he was practicing the spiritual discipline of fasting, was ready to confront the attacks and temptations of the enemy. And for us as well, as we fortify our spiritual lives through these spiritual rhythms, Bible reading, prayer rhythms, journaling, mentorship, having a mentor to help you and talk with you, life groups, serving others, giving, uh, studying the word of God, meditating on the word of God, memorizing the word of God, eating together. I know it's the total opposite about fasting, but eating together is also a good spiritual rhythm to have. The word of God says the early church, right, went from, they went from house to house and they did what? They broke bread, they ate together. As you eat together, as you fellowship with others, you build those bonds together. I know, if you put it on scale, fasting or eating together, yes, let's do that spiritual rhythm instead of the other one. But whichever one works for you, okay? These are spiritual rhythms in our life that help us to continue to go. Generous giving, sacrifice, there's so many things that we can do. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says it this way, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. So we all go through temptations. There's nobody here that's exempt from temptation. If Jesus went through temptations, all of us will have to go through them. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than what you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. What's that way out? It's the spiritual, one way is the spiritual rhythms that you've already created in your life. Here's an example. You've created a spiritual rhythm of prayer. So when the temptation comes, what do you run to? Prayer. You've created a spiritual rhythm of memorizing the word of God. So when the temptation comes, what do you run to? Confessing the word of God that you've already memorized. You've created a spiritual rhythm of maybe mentorship and meeting with somebody to help you along your, along your pathway. And so when the temptation comes, what happens? You call that person and say, hey, can you help me through this? I'm really being tempted in this. And you live a very transparent, open, honest life with that person. Friends, God makes a way for us as we take these steps to create spiritual rhythms in our life. In 1 Timothy, Paul encouraged Timothy this way, train yourself to be godly put those spiritual rhythms in place in 2023 so you can train yourself to be godly physical training is good nothing wrong with that but training for godliness is much better promising benefits in this life and in the life to come so as we train ourselves to godliness as we exercise spiritual disciplines as we exercise these things in our life we train ourselves towards that in first timothy 6 paul says this to timothy but you timothy are a man of god so run from these evil things. Run from the temptations. Run from the things that take you away from the will and purpose of God. Pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Can I encourage you today, friends, to fight that fight. Pursue good spiritual rhythms in your life. Here's a question. 
How many of you all, at some point, you've come into the church and you've seen these nice, beautiful walls outside, inside, freshly painted. You've ever had a temptation to, like, graffiti the wall? Maybe. Maybe not. Well, guess what? If you walked in and you saw at the back, we have three walls, one that says praise, the other says the word of God, and the other says prayer, and I'm giving you permission to do some graffiti. From now till August, we're going to leave these up there, okay? And here, join with me. I'm going to go back over there, right? And we're going to leave these, these walls uh, up, and what I want you to do is to create a, a spiritual... Yeah, turn around and look over here. I'm going to be over here for a couple of minutes. So this first wall is the wall of praise, okay? And what I want you to do is, if there's something that happens in your life in these, in these months, come and just write something to praise God for. Whether it's, and there's crayons, there's markers, there's whatever, make it colorful, make it look nice. If you want, if the Lord gives you an image, if he gives you something that you want to draw, put it up there, okay? And just write down a praise. If the Lord answers a prayer, if the Lord uh, provides something for you, just write it up here. It can be anonymous. If you want, you can write your name on it as well, whichever, but just write a praise to the Lord and let's, uh, let this be like a spiritual rhythm for our church family to write things on these walls to praise the Lord for. The next wall over here is, is the word of God. I know you backbenchers, you thought you'd never be on camera, but guess what? You're on camera today, <laughs> all right? So this wall is the, is the word of God. So what I want you to do on this wall is as you're reading scripture or as you're doing something or maybe you're here in the service and you feel like God spoke to you something, can you come and write on that wall and just say, maybe it's a verse or maybe it's something specific God's challenging you for. You can put your name, you can leave it anonymous, whatever, but write on this, the word of God. What, what is God speaking to you? We want to get a sense of where, what the spirit of God is doing in our church. We want to get a sense of how the spirit of God is speaking and moving and working in our lives, in your lives. And so just come and write one. We have some Purell here. So if you want to uh, sanitize your hands, you can do that. And I'm going to write something here. Okay, so I'm going to start off. Um, one of the verses that I've been thinking about even as I've been preparing this message is from 1 Corinthians that says, thanks be to God who gives us victory through our, what's the rest? Lord, see you guys know that one, right? Lord Jesus Christ. I love that verse because God has given us the victory. So come, write a verse down, a, a verse that God is speaking to you or maybe something God's speaking to you from the message and write there. Then we go to our, our, our third wall here. This is prayer, okay? And this wall for prayer is, is petitions. You have a prayer request, you can write it up on here, okay? Um, and write down what your prayer request is. And can I ask you, we're going to keep these up here for a number of months, and if maybe the prayer is answered, can I ask you to come and just maybe circle it as a signal that, hey, this prayer is answered, right? And so if there's a petition that you have, just come up and write it here. You can write your name if you want to. You can leave it anonymous if you want to. And not just coming and writing, but can I encourage you to come and pause in these walls? Maybe it's before the service. Maybe it's after the service. 
Maybe it's sometime during the week. Sometimes uh, we have events going on in the sanctuary, but you can check with Chris and see if there's an available time. You want, if you want to just come during the week and just come and just linger here by the prayer wall or linger there by the praise wall or linger by the word of God wall and read the petitions and read the praises and read what God is speaking to people and pray. You can linger here a little bit and just and pray these petitions to the Lord. You can linger on that wall and praise God for the things that he's doing. Can we create this rhythm within our church so that we can bless the Lord and we can make these prayer requests known and we can ask the Lord to work in our life and work in the, uh, in the church? And there's three different walls that you can write on. Can, can I get a show of hands? Are we, can we do something like that? Right? And I, I hope I, at the end of eight months that this place will be nice and colorful. Right? And we can have these things. If, if it gets full up and we have to change the, the sheets of paper, you know, we'll do that. Special thanks to Tony and Claude for putting that up and Anna for doing all of the beautiful calligraphy with the, with the names there. And so use your skills and talents. If you're a creative person, go and just draw something on there if you want to express your praise to the Lord or, or write something for your, your petition. Or as the word of God is coming to you, as the word of God is speaking to you, write that verse, write what God is, is speaking to you. That's going to be our prayer wall for the next eight months as we continue in this series of Jesus. And let's see how God is moving. Linger there. Pray. Praise God. Spend some time at, at, at these walls before the service, after the service, during the week. Let's see and be sensitive to what the Spirit of God is doing. And that brings me to my next point, my last one, of the other way that Jesus really uh, overcame these temptations is by being filled with the Spirit. Jesus was full of the Spirit as he came into these temptations. In, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus was sensitive to the Spirit of God. He was leaning in to the Spirit of God. He was allowing the Holy Spirit to lead him and to guide him. He was allowing the Spirit of God to work in his life. And so by allowing that to happen, he was able to overcome the temptations of the enemy. And as we are sensitive and as we lean into the Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to, to fill our lives and to empower our lives, we can be praising God and praying and, and reflecting on the Word of God and seeing how God is working in our lives and in our friends and, 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 and brothers and sisters here in the family of God here at UAC. And so can I encourage you to lean in to the Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, it's a beautiful chapter. I don't have time to read the whole chapter, but there's so many beautiful verses about leaning into the Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, surrendering to the Spirit, yielding to the Spirit. In verse 5, it says this, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that Please the Spirit. Don't be uh, of the people that are controlled by the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, but lean into the Spirit and be led by the Spirit of God. Think about the things that please the Spirit. Verse 9 says this, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. Friends, the Holy Spirit wants to control us, wants to lead us, wants to guide us, wants to speak to us. It's not always easy because where did the Spirit of the Lord lead Jesus? To the buffet? No. The Spirit of the Lord led Jesus to 40 days of fasting and then into the, in the wilderness. Not really, you know, if you're saying, Lord, Spirit, fill me, lead me, I'll go wherever you want to go. Yeah, can you go to the wilderness, please? Yeah, just be there for 40 days, fast, don't eat anything. It might not be the thing that we want, 
but it's the thing that we need. It might not be the easiest pathway, and quite frankly, it might be a very difficult pathway, but the pathway of the Spirit is way better than the pathway of the flesh. The pathway of the Lord is way better than our own pathway. Allow the Spirit of the Lord to lead you. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, right? Romans 8, verses 12 and 13 says this, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. There are some urges. He acknowledges that. There are things that come out, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, these sinful things that are within us. It's going to come out. For if you live by its dictates, you will die, because the wages of sin is death. But if you, through the power of the Spirit, put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Jesus came to give us life, and life abundantly. And as we live in the Spirit, and walk in the Spirit, and yield to the Spirit, and lean into the Spirit, and be filled in the Spirit, and be empowered by the Spirit, we will walk in the Spirit and please the Lord, because we are the children of God. Let's lean into the things of the spirit and push away the things of the flesh. Let's lean into the presence of God and push away the things of the carnal nature. Paul says says it this way in Galatians chapter 5. He says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. He realizes that our sinful nature is going to be craving these things. The sinful nature wants to do evil which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. The Spirit gives us desires that are opposite to what the sinful nature desires. These are warring factions. These are things that are battling within us, right? Jesus faced that battle. Jesus faced that temptation. The things of the the flesh were coming against Jesus, and he fought against it with the Word of God by being empowered by the Spirit and exercising those spiritual disciplines to be in a place where he was fortified to battle against the enemy. Let's look to Jesus. Let's turn our eyes on Jesus. He has gone before us. He has given us an example to follow. He has shown us how to overcome. He has shown us how to live in the Spirit, how to walk in the Spirit. He has shown us how to use the Word of God. He has shown us the spiritual disciplines that we need in our life, right? He, he said about the disciples, he said, look, while I'm here, they don't need to fast, but there's going to be a coming, coming a time when I'm going to go away, and they're going to need to fast. They're going to need to put those spiritual rhythms in place. And we're living in that time. When the enemy is against our life and temptations are coming against us constantly, whether it's from within or without, we are being drawn away, we're being allured by the world, we're being presented images and, 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 and statuses of what things should be like in the world, and we want those things. We're drawn after those things. We run after those things. And it takes the discipline of the Spirit within us to say no to the things of the flesh and yes to the things of the Spirit. It's not easy, but God has given us the tools and the opportunities to fight against the work of the enemy to battle against the flesh and to overcome in the spirit. He's provided everything that we need and thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He's helping us. Hebrews 2 says this, because he himself, Jesus, suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Friends, Jesus was tempted. He experienced it. He's able to help us now. Worship team, please come. He's able to help us to overcome. He's gone before us. As we keep our eyes on Jesus, 
we can look to him. In these days, the NFL has been in the news because of injuries, and Super Bowl is coming up in a few weeks' time as well. NFL has been big news. I want to tell you the story of one NFL player. His name was Kahari Willis. Earlier in 2022, actually on June 15th, 2022, he wrote something on his Instagram account that shocked the world. He played professional football for an organization called the Indianapolis Colts, and he played for three years. And he wrote this on his Instagram account on June 15th, 2022. With much prayer and deliberation, I have elected to officially retire from the NFL as I endeavor to devote the remainder of my life to the further advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was walking away from $2.5 million so that he could go and serve Jesus and preach the gospel. And this was his last year. He was going to be a free agent. He was probably going to get even a bigger contract next year. He said, I am both humbled and excited to pursue the holy call that God has for my life, which brings me much joy and purpose. Thank you all for your support over the years. What a decision to make. He had reached maybe the pinnacle, the status of being an NFL football player earning millions of dollars and what the world would call success, and this was wonderful for him. And and what could he do with all of that money? He could do amazing things for the Lord probably, some would say. But he chose, he realized that God was calling him to something different. And the temptation and the allure of the world to have the status and the fame and the money and the wealth and the riches and for people to look up to him and praise him and think he's such an amazing player and so successful and maybe win a Super Bowl and do so many other things. He said, no, that is not important to me. These temptations and these things that are luring me into that, no, I need to say no to that because God's calling me for something deeper, better, and eternal. And we will all face that question and that challenge in our life. Again, there's nothing wrong with earning money, nothing wrong with being a player, nothing wrong with with any of those things. But God was asking him to leave that and to follow a very difficult and narrow path. And he did it by keeping his eyes fixed on Jesus. Shall we all stand? I encourage you today. Look to Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. He'll help you.